Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. Welcome to Turning Point. If the coronavirus pandemic taught us anything, it's that trouble can come without warning and turn life upside down. How should we respond? Today, Dr. David Jeremiah begins the series, When Your World Falls Apart to examine how God can use these unplanned disruptions to bring unparalleled blessings. Listen as David introduces his message, A Bend in the Road. Well, friends, we are in the month of June. We're in the um, third or fourth month of our experience with the coronavirus. Many of us are still um, sheltering at home, and we're trying to figure out what the future looks like. These are the scriptures, I believe, are the most relevant to help us during these times. And we're going to go back and pick up some of the material that I studied during the time I was coming out of my cancer uh, bouts back some years ago. Those days were the days when I learned more about uh, what we're going through right now than I ever have learned in any other time in my life. So it seems right to marry What's happening now with what I learned? And so today we're going to talk about a bend in the road. And the key phrase in this message is a disruptive moment. And would you not say that this has not been a disruptive moment? This has been a disruptive several months, and the disruption isn't going away like we thought it might right away. We're going to have to live through some of this. What are we supposed to learn during this time? And the material that you're going to be listening to is available to you uh, on CD, and you can get all of this to help review again and again what to do during this time and how to look forward to the future with hope in your heart. Don't forget, during this month, we're making available as our special resource this brand new book, Shelter in God, Your Refuge in Times of Trouble, how to get through this time and stay centered on the things that God wants you to stay centered on. Send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of June and simply say, please send me the book, Shelter in God. We want you to have this hope and this help as soon as possible. Let's get started with the first lesson. It's called A Bend in the Road. When I returned from the Mayo Clinic on top of the pile of mail, was a brand new book that had just been released from Nelson Publishers, written by a friend of mine by the name of Gordon MacDonald. The book was sent to me, as many are from the publishers, and I was intrigued by the title of the book. It's called The Life God Blesses. Many of you will remember Gordon MacDonald as the author of the best-selling book, Ordering Your Private World. In the book that was sent to me that I received the day I returned home, Gordon writes with great meaning about the things God uses to bring blessing into the lives of his servants and to make them a life that God can bless. In one chapter, he coins a term to describe one of God's most often used and least understood tools in the process. He calls this tool a disruptive moment. (laughs) 
And according to him, disruptive moments are those unanticipated events, most of which one would easily have chosen to avoid had it been possible. He added, we don't like disruptive moments. They are too often associated with pain and inconvenience, failure and humiliation. Disruptive moments are like bends in the road that we cannot see beyond and we don't know what to do with. Malcolm Muggeridge summarized this thought in a conversation that is recorded between him and William Buckley. He said, as an old man, Bill, looking back on one's life, it's one of the things that strikes you most forcibly that the only thing that's taught one anything is suffering and affliction. Not success, not happiness, not anything like that. The only thing that really teaches one what life is about, the joy of understanding, the joy of coming in contact with what life really signifies, the only thing, said Muggeridge, is suffering and affliction. Alexander Solzhenitsyn also knew something of disruptive moments when he wrote about the time he spent in the gulag in prison. He said, it was only when I lay there on rotting prison straw that I sensed within myself the first stirrings of good. Gradually it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. And he wrote, so bless you, prison. Bless you for having been in my life. David Burnham has had his own disruptive moments, but in one of the messages that he gave, he spoke of a very early disruptive moment in his college career. He said, and I quote, The football was my God. And one day in a championship game, I was carrying the football into the line and was hit so hard that I was knocked unconscious. They had to carry me off the field and to an ambulance behind the stadium. And the first thing I heard, he said, as I came to, was the crowd roaring for another ball carrier. My God was in another man's arms, and the crowd was on to other heroes. And he said, at that moment, my whole life changed. Disruptive moments. It's more than a bump in the road. It's a pothole. <laughs> When you hit a bump in the road and you have friends all around, you need to tell them a little bit about it and then go on down the road, and we shall do that. But I think it's very instructive for me just to open my heart to you and let you know the things that God has been teaching me from his word, things which I probably wouldn't have studied or even been motivated to learn about had I not hit a bend in the road and had a disruptive moment in my life. Now, the two passages that God has impressed upon my heart are easy to remember because they're both 12th chapters, the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians and the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. And in the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians, we shall begin our study. And you follow along in your Bible, if you will, but you will have to follow closely because I'm going to read from the message, which is a paraphrase of this, because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so that I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. 
At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that, and then he told me, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, oppositions, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, there is a pattern that is also exactly the same in Hebrews chapter 12. I want to give you four or five points that are exactly alike in both passages and then make some application to our hearts. Follow along and I will just do this quickly, make a few comments as we pass along the way, and then we'll move rapidly to Hebrews chapter 12. The first thing you notice as you begin to study 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is the purpose of a disruptive moment. Notice what Paul wrote in verse 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Now, this passage describes a moment in Paul's life when he had just had the opportunity of a heavenly experience. We have very little information about it. In fact, as Paul writes about it in the first six verses of 2 Corinthians 12, he seems rather reluctant even to put himself in the context of the experience. He says, there was a man I knew. Doesn't even want to say it's him. He says, whether in the body or out of the body, I can't say. He doesn't want to get too specific. But what he does know is this, that on a given occasion, because of an appointment from God, Paul had been lifted up to see the glories of heaven as no man had ever seen before. Can you think of what it would have been like if he had lived in our day, what his press agent would have been saying about Paul and what his meetings would have been like after he came back from that experience? Here's the only man who has been to heaven and back and lived to tell about it. Come hear him this Sunday night at such and such a place. But God took a different view of that. And God knew that the great exaltation and revelation that had been given to Paul could also have been his downfall. And so Paul said, lest I become proud, and according to the message, get the big head, God sent through a messenger that he allowed Satan to deliver. He sent a problem into my life. And he did it that I might not be exalted above measure. That was the purpose. Notice, secondly, the pain of this disruptive moment. Paul describes it in verse 7 like this. He says it was a thorn in the flesh. In the Greek language, literally, it's a stake. A stake driven into the flesh. He describes it later on as something that buffeted him. I looked up the word buffet. It means to beat somebody. He calls it infirmity, reproach, and distress. Paul said, unless I be exalted above measure, God sent a thorn into my flesh. He drove a stake into my body. Make no bones about it, men and women. Sometimes disruptive moments are painful. Sometimes God allows pain in our life and suffering in our life as a disruptive moment. Oh, people have had great fun with this passage trying to figure out what Paul's thorn in the flesh was really all about. I've read everything I could find about it. and Let me tell you, there are so many ideas. Some have suggested that Paul developed eye trouble because of a passage in the book of Galatians. Others have believed that Paul had some form of epilepsy. William Ramsey said maybe it was malaria. 
Many other ideas, I wrote some of them down, such as hysteria, hypochondria, gallstones, gout, rheumatism, sciatica, gastritis, leprosy, lice in the head, deafness, dental infection, and remorse for the tortures he had caused the church before he was saved. All of those ideas. Let me tell you something. Here is the studied opinion of your pastor on the issue of the thorn in the flesh. Ain't nobody knows. (laughs) It's not there. And it's for a very good reason. If the thorn in the flesh was eye trouble, when we went through a disruptive moment, if it weren't eye trouble, we would think this passage weren't for us. God, by his silence as to the nature of this thorn of the flesh, has made this passage applicable to every single one of us when we face a bend in the road or we go through a time that is disruptive in our lives. And so the pain is evident. It's not disguised, but the specific nature of the pain is kept from us so that we would know that this applies to every one of us. Notice thirdly in this passage, the provision in the disruptive moment. And I'm just giving you this outline quickly. I don't mean this to be two sermons in one. I just want you to see the pattern. The provision in the disruptive moment is very clear. Three times Paul said to God, take this away. And three times God said, Paul, I'm not going to do that, but I'll tell you something. I'll do something even better for you. I'll give you sufficient grace and perfect strength so that you'll be able to sail right through this and do what I want you to do. So in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the disruptive moment, when the call was made, the Lord himself came down and walked with Paul through the bend in the road so that he would not lose his way. The provision in the disruptive moment. Notice, fourthly, the product of the disruptive moment. What is God producing in Paul through all of this? Paul said that the power of Christ may rest on me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul came to understand this disruptive moment in his life, this bend in the road, as an opportunity that God had taken to build something into him that he could not have had apart from the suffering. What God told Paul simply was this. You will not be without the grace to do your job. You will not be without the strength to be my ambassador. But the creative difference will be this. Your weakness will serve to magnify the glory of God's power in such a way that nobody will ever again be able to explain you in human terms. It is as if Paul looks ahead and sees himself as a human tabernacle in which the Shekinah glory has come to dwell in. And never again can he ever be the same because the disruptive moment, this bump in the road, this bend around which he could not see has been a messenger from God to help him see that in his weakness in the flesh, he becomes a receptacle for the power of God in a way that he had never, ever known before. I think, if I understand the nature of Paul, that he's like a lot of us men who think we can do it. I mean, we're indestructible. We're invulnerable. I have to tell you that one of the most awesome things about the experience that I've had has been getting in touch with my own mortality and beginning to realize that I'm not Superman and that I don't have control of my own destiny, but it lies in the hands of somebody else. And in the moment of weakness, we began to understand that God is just waiting to walk in to the empty place left when we walk out so that he can fill us with his power. And the product of this suffering, this pain in Paul's life, was the product of more power. 
Now notice the perspective, number five, of this disruptive moment. Paul says, finally, most gladly, therefore, well, I boast in my infirmities. For I want the power of Christ to rest on me. It's almost as if Paul, looking back on this, realizes what he was like before this happened to him and what he has become like after this has happened to him. And he says, in essence, and you can't get anything out of the passage other than this, if I could go back to the way it was before and not have to walk through this disruptive moment, I wouldn't do it for all the money in the world. Because what God has made out of me on the other side of this bump in the road is so incredible to me, I glory in it, I boast in it, I thank God for it. Now I need to tell you, you can only do that when you're looking back on it. It's hard to do that when you're in the midst of it. But I take great hope in Paul's testimony because I believe it with all of my heart. He looks at the picture of Christ's power and he rejoices. Now, that's all I want to say about 2 Corinthians 12. But you will be amazed as I was to discover how very closely the pattern follows in Hebrews 12. So turn there. Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to begin my reading in Hebrews 12 at the fifth verse. And these passages are so very fresh in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, beginning with the fifth verse. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children and that God regards you as his children? My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline, but don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is educating you, and that's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear children. The trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. But God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. Now, once again, if Paul is the writer of Hebrews, we can understand the parallelism. But even if he is not... It is striking to notice that the outline for this passage is exactly the same as the outline for 2 Corinthians 12. First of all, there is the purpose of the disruptive moment. Paul says that God allows chastening. He allows training in our lives that we might be corrected. To correct us as a father corrects his son. And that he might prove to us that we are his children. Do you see that? The Bible says all of the children in the father's family are disciplined. And if you don't have any discipline in your life, you better check into your relationship. There is no way to be a part of the father's family and not once in a while in your life feel the pain of his scourging and his rebuking and his chastisement. Some people think that the goal in life is to go all the way through from the cradle to the grave without ever having any pain. The person who does that is an unfortunate one and one who needs to check into whether or not he truly is a member of the family of God. Notice the pain in this disruptive moment again in Hebrews 12. Paul describes it like this. He calls it chastening and rebuking and scourging and correcting. And then I love this little phrase, not joyful, but painful. Very clear, isn't it? 
There is no desire on the part of the Almighty God or the Spirit of God to disguise what He is doing. He is not trying to say, if you just smile and think positive thoughts, this will go away and you won't feel it. So sad is the teaching that we have about us today that if we love God and we walk with Him, we will never be sick, we will never have suffering, we will never have poverty, we will never have any disease in our life, we will never have any of that. That is not from the Word of God. The Word of God is brutally honest about the reality of life and that sometimes in the process of growing up in God's family, we feel the sting of the whip. And it doesn't feel good and we would not really desire it. But God has a purpose in it. And when you feel it, one of the things you can do is stand up straight and say, So I am a son. I am a son. I am in the family. It's the proof of God's love for us. Notice the provision of the disruptive moment. Once again in the passage, God reminds us that when we are under the scourging of the Father, He treats us as a father treats a son. He says in our earthly days, our parents do this for their good, but when God does this, He does it for our good because He loves us. And in the midst of the disruptive moment, when we face the bend in the road, God is right there with us, taking us along the pathway. There's another wonderful passage that I had hoped to share, but there wasn't enough time in this lesson. And that's John 15, and you can read that when you get a chance. In that passage, the Lord uses a parable about the vineyard. And do you remember what he said? He said, every branch that brings forth good fruit, the Lord purges it so that it might bring forth more fruit. The branches that don't bring forth any fruit are not really in the vine. They're cast away. But the branches that bring forth fruit, the Bible says, God the Father is the vine dresser. And he comes down and walks among his vineyard and he goes along the vines and he snips off the unproductive branches so all of the sap and all of the strength can flow through to the vine that is being productive. And the result is when it's all finished, it is more fruitful than it was before. But let me tell you what I remember about that passage most of all. This little statement, I don't know who it is attributed to, but it is very clear to me that it is the truth. It goes like this. The vine dresser is never nearer the branches than when he is pruning them. Oh, the provision of God in the disruptive moments of our lives. And then finally, look at the product of it. The product of the disruptive moment, he says in Hebrews 12, is that we become partakers of his holiness and that afterward, this process yields in us the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Do you see this? In 2 Corinthians 12, the goal is more power. In Hebrews 12, the goal is more holiness and righteousness. There isn't any way to get from point A to point B without going through the disruptive moment. But when you come out on the other side, there's more power and there's more holiness. That's the product that God is after. What a tremendous uh, selection of Scripture is 2 Corinthians 12 and Hebrews 12. It's interesting, quite often in the Bible, the chapters in the Bible that you find, um, like 1 John 3, all of these passages seem to, I don't know, I know the chapters were done uh, long after the Bible was written, but even there, there seems to be the hand of God. So remember, it's 2 Corinthians 12, it's Hebrews 12. Read those two chapters and you will find help for your bend in the road. 
then let me remind you again that during this month and this month only, we're making available this brand new book. It's just off the press. It's 280 pages of studies in the Psalms. Now, you know, the Bible uh, is made up of such great uh, material, and there's something in the Bible for every time in life. The Psalms were written for times like this, and there's certain Psalms called the sheltering Psalms. Can you believe that? That's uh, in commentaries that were written long before we ever experienced this, the sheltering Psalms. So uh, I've put together in this book, Shelter in God, the exposition of some of these sheltering psalms. I'm telling the story of what David went through and how it mirrors what we're going through right now. It's very encouraging, uh, very uplifting, very helpful as you shelter in your place to shelter in God at the same time. You may be coming toward the end of your sheltering in place. Now you need to make the transition to make sure that what you've learned during this time of isolation is going to build the strength in your foundation for life and send you out into the new world, the new normal, if you will, with a new set of priorities that will take you where God wants you to go. Once again, you can get your copy of this book, Shelter in God, Your Refuge in Times of Trouble. It's yours for the asking uh, with a gift of any size. Just make sure you ask for the book, Shelter in God, and we'll send it to you immediately. This book will help you. It will encourage you. It will strengthen you during this time. And we'll see you right here tomorrow for the next edition of Turning Point. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, When Your World Falls Apart, visit our website where we offer two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's helpful new book, Shelter in God. It's sure to encourage you in this unprecedented time, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard and New International Versions, as well as in Standard or Large Print in the New King James, all in a variety of handsome cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, When Your World Falls Apart, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Thank you for your prayers and support of Turning Point. We invite you to make an even bigger impact by becoming one of our Bible Strong Partners. A special group whose support of the ministry is crucial in helping Dr. David Jeremiah deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. Turning Point is committed to presenting sound biblical teaching all across Canada. And when you stand with us in partnership, we also commit to you to provide you with empowering resources to keep you Bible strong. When you set up your online account at davidjeremiah.ca slash Strong you will have instant access to Dr. Jeremiah's topical living library audio messages and his companion booklets, exclusive club resources, and our quarterly Influencing Your World newsletter. You can also purchase additional study guides at a 50% discount for personal or small group studies with our convenient one-click checkout. Plus, join our exclusive Facebook page. You will have special access to new audio podcasts and additional content from Dr. Jeremiah. 
join with other Bible Strong partners today by committing to give $25 or more each month. Your prayers and donations are the backbone of Turning Point, keeping us Bible Strong. For more information or to join, visit our website today at davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society.